Let's begin there tonight. I'll read it to you from the New King James Version. It says, To them God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you, the hope of glory. We said there's one word that we want you to think of when you hear the word hope, and that's the word expectation. Now, Bible hope is more than expectation, but that word will help us get our thinking where it needs to be when it comes to what hope really is. If you pay close attention, people use the word hope in ways that it, at least biblically, was never meant to be used. And what a lot of people mean when they say, I'm hoping, is that they're wishing. Um, there's real, there's nothing of real substance behind the hope. It's just what we might call wishful thinking. Well, Bible hope is not wishful thinking. Bible hope has um, a, a support system that undergirds it and makes it not only valid, but as we see in uh, Romans 5, it's a hope that will not disappoint you, or as the King James says, maketh not ashamed. I don't know if you've ever gotten your hopes up for something, you know, in the world or, you know, something, you know, that you really wanted to see happen and was hoping, wishing would happen, and, and it didn't happen. Well, listen, when we, when we do hope God's way according to the eternal system of faith, hope, and love that he's established, it will not disappoint. The same passage from Colossians 1 and 27 in the Amplified it translates Christ in you, the hope of glory, as Christ within and among you, the hope of realizing the glory. The hope of realizing the glory. And if you understand what the Amplified Bible does, it takes the uh, original translation and in text, it you know may uh, bracket it. I think. Thank you, Christy, for putting that up there. Um, can you put the? There we go. See how realizing the glory is in is in brackets there towards the end of that of that passage and and so the idea behind something being amplified is that is that basically they're turning up the volume of of what this word uh, means in its original um, translation and so it's important then that we connect and understand hope biblical hope with um, a realization uh, and an expectation then of realizing the glory now, turn over with me now to Colossians, the second chapter. That's in Colossians 1, so obviously Colossians 2 comes after Colossians 1. And when you spend time, and I've encouraged you to do this before, and I'll, I'll just mention it again, um, sometimes we study, you know, verses of Scripture, and we should do that. Don't misunderstand me. I mean, there's, you know, one word in one verse, you know, can change your whole life. Uh, the Word of God is, is multi-layered wisdom and, and eternal and God-breathed, God-inspired. But something happens when you look at, um, for instance, Colossians is four chapters, and, and you read those four chapters, you know, one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four. You begin to see a bigger picture develop. Like, for instance, in Ephesians, which is six chapters, 
you see by reading all six of them back to back to back to back to back to back that the first three chapters spell out what's been done for us and, and, and why Jesus did what he did for us and what it means to us. And then only after that's in place in the first three chapters do we see the next three chapters devoted to specific instructions for our daily living. And so there's certain themes and certain truths that you will miss if you just study it a few verses at a time or a chapter at a time. Um, but when we see the bigger picture of the, of the whole book, then we begin to see uh, things and connections that are uh, extremely important. Now, before I uh, read this, remember, we're talking about the inward realities of the new birth becoming outward expressions of life. So when he says, Christ in you, the expectation of realizing the glory, the hope of glory, the hope of realizing the glory of God, the glory of God in you is a new birth reality. Jesus said in John 17, Father, the glory that you've given to me, I've now given to them. And so we see that in your spirit resides all types and all kinds of wonderful things that became yours uh, as, a, as a child of God, it's your inheritance that you received as an heir of God and a joint heir with Jesus. But remember, it's one thing for uh, you know, it to be true about you inwardly. It's another thing altogether for that new birth reality to become an outward expression of life or something that you uh, experience, uh, enjoy, and express. So I know I've done this multiple times, and... <laughs> I, for whatever it's worth, I've gone back and forth on whether or not to share this with you, but I'm, I'm obviously fixing to share it with you, okay? I have listened to last Wednesday night sermon three times, and I will probably listen to it again on my way home tonight, right? And so, you know, I thought about it. I said, Lord, you know, some of these things we've said a bunch of times, but uh, for me personally, I don't think I can hear this too many times right now. Um, and there are things that the Lord is saying to us and corrections that He is making, adjustments that He is, uh, is making that, um, that I think are very, very important as it relates to where He is wanting to take us and what He is wanting to uh, do in our lives. And so um, remember now, if the Son therefore makes you free, you shall be free in your performed action. So, as I like to illustrate this with my hands, you are a spirit, you have a soul, and you live in a body. You are a three-dimensional being. Jesus said, come and I'll give, learn, and you'll discover. But what he has given to you and what he has made you and who you became the day you became a new creation in Christ Jesus, it's not based upon your works, your performance, your earning it, your deserving it. So, but now watch this. If you've been born again, you've been made just as free from sin as Jesus. But notice what he said. Therefore, if the Son makes you free, then you shall be free in your performed action. So once he makes you free, you've got to take his yoke upon you and let him teach you, learn how to live free. Free indeed means free in your performed action. So you can have the new birth reality of freedom inside of you, but still live 
like someone who is a slave to sin even though you are no longer a slave to sin. You say, Pastor Mark, I just don't believe that. Well, Galatians 3, starting at verse 26 through chapter 4, verse 1. I say, therefore, the heir, as long as he is a child, differs nothing from a slave, though he be Lord of all. All right? The heir, God made you an heir of God and a joint heir with Jesus. The heir, as long as he thinks, emotes, and makes choices and speaks like a child, He's going to live like a child in his performed action, even though he be Lord of all. Are you, are you following what I'm saying? Are you seeing how I'm doing this with my hands? Spirit, soul, and body. So you're a three-dimensional being. And your, your body was not born again. Your soul was not born again. It was your spirit that was born again. So if you look at all the different things the Bible says about salvation, again, watch me now, has been saved, are being saved, shall be saved. Now, if you learn to think three-dimensionally, the Bible will come alive to you. It, it, it will open up to you in, in, in ways that uh, it, it will never open up uh, to you uh, otherwise. And, and when Jesus, listen to me, this is really important now. When Jesus taught us on this earth as a man, he taught us, spoke to us as three-dimensional beings. When the Holy Spirit spoke through uh, the apostles and prophets and, and, and the men of old, right? All scriptures given by inspiration of God. Well, when God breathed instruction and wisdom and insight and, and revealed mysteries to humankind, God knew he was speaking to a three-dimensional being. And unless you allow the Holy Spirit to help you understand these things three-dimensionally, you you're, you're not going to benefit much at all from the Scriptures. See, we have this saying, and, and um, let me, I, in Colossians 2, I'm going to get there in just a moment, but there's a, there's a part where he says, um, beware, verse 8, Colossians 2 and 8, we're going to read 6 through 10, but, but verse 8 says, Beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit according to the tradition of men, according to the basic principles of the world, and not according to Christ. Okay? Among these philosophies and empty deceits and traditions of men and the basic principles of this world, it's way more than this, but among all of that, is what I call one-dimensional thinking. How many of you ever heard, if it walks like a duck, if it looks like a duck, if it quacks like a duck, it must be a duck? Anybody ever heard that? Can I tell you what that is? That's, that is the philosophies of this world. That's empty deceit. That's the traditions of men. In other words, that's how, that's how people uh, on the earth look at these things. That's, that's how religion looks at these things. That's how... Uh, people who don't know God or whose minds have not been renewed by the Word of God look at these things. It's how they interpret all of this. See, God wasn't speaking to a one-dimensional being when He spoke Ephesians 2. You know what I'm saying? He was speaking to it when He said that if you're in Christ, you're seated together with Him in the heavenly places. Well, people read that and it sells right over their head because they think, I'm not in heaven, I'm right here on the earth. But see, as a three-dimensional being, your body can be here and your spirit is connected to another realm because Christ's in you and he's connected. Are you see? So, but, but without a three-dimensional perspective and understanding, these things 
uh, make no sense. So let's go back to this basic philosophy, you know. Um, if, 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 if it talks like, walks like, quacks like, whatever, then that must be what it is. That's, that doesn't line up with Scripture. Because Scripture says you can be Lord of all, right? Born again spirit, Lord of all, and still live like a slave to sin. As free from sin as Jesus, but still live like a slave to sin. Now, Colossians chapter 2. Let's begin at verse 6 this, this time. It says, As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him. So he says the same way you received all of these new birth realities is how you walk out these new birth realities in your daily life. You walk in Him. You walk these things out. You express, you experience, you enjoy all the things that became true about you as a, as a, as a born-again man or a woman the same way you received the salvation and the gift that, uh, that put all these things and created all of these uh, new birth realities inside of you. Verse 7, rooted and built up in Him and established in the faith as you have been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. Man, there's a lot that we could look at here, but you know, the more we study, the more we worship, the more we fellowship with God, the more we spend time with Him, the more uh, we long to know and understand His truth and wisdom, and, and the more He responds by revealing it to us, we're, we're putting down deeper roots, we're, um, we're, we're being established. Um, you know, I always go back to the examples that are, you know, primary in Scripture when it comes to these things. And, and that would be not just Abraham's faith, but Abraham and, and Sarah's faith. You know, when God first presents His promise to them and His future and destiny to them, they thought it was, they thought it was ridiculous. They laughed. I mean, God says, look, I'm, you know, your old age, past childbearing, couldn't have children when you was in your 20s, but, you know, I'm fixing to restore all that to you, and you're going to supernaturally conceive and give birth to a child of promise. And Sarah was standing in the door of the tent listening, and she laughed. It's, it seems so far-fetched that it was laughable to them. But they grew, right? They, they became rooted and built up in, in, in the truth, in there's nothing too hard for God, Right? And, and they put down roots in that thing until they became so established in it that it, it didn't seem ridiculous to them anymore. They went from not seeing how it could ever be to not being able to see it any other way. They grew in faith. And if they, could, if they can do that, we can do that. Beware, lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit, according to the tradition of men, according to the basic principles of the world, and not according to to Christ. So when he says cheat you, he's, he's talking about different philosophies, different interpretations, uh, things that are rooted not in Christ, established not in the, the example of, of Jesus' life that we have to follow, as Brother Donald says, the picture on the box. Instead of going with that, we try to interpret these things according to religious tradition according to what we uh, were taught as children in our denominational church. I don't know how many of you are on the uh, uh, Odell's mailing list, but Sister Marilyn um, wrote in their latest newsletter uh, about her family and, and the church that she was raised in. And she says one of the first things she remembers as, uh, I think she said she was seven years old. Anybody besides me read this? She, she said that 
Um, one of the first things she remembers her preacher saying when she was seven years old is that Mary was no more a virgin than his mother was. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Well, that was, that was again, um, empty deceit, philosophies and traditions of men. So I'm not, I'm not listen to me, I, 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 I love God's people, I'm not here to bash anybody, but I'm not talking about how the Baptists or the Assemblies of God or the Catholics or the Methodists. See, that's part of our problem is we've allowed what other people and, and religious traditions have to say about and how they interpret what all this means to us instead of just taking it for face value, number one, of what God said, but then also how He demonstrated it through the, the life of Jesus. Okay, so um, I'm a little self-conscious. I'm getting over it now. I mentioned listening to that sermon. I said demonstrated in that sermon twice last Wednesday night. And for some reason, I said it like really weird. I don't, anyway, praise God. I, I said it again. I'm like, Lord, I hope I didn't say it goofy again, all right? Um, I really like hit the, I hit it hard, man. I punched demonstrated. But anyway, Jesus demonstrated it for us, right? He demonstrated. So if, if you want to know what all of this means... You, you don't go to denominational religion to see what they have to say about it. You certainly don't go to the empty deceit and philosophy of this world to see what they have to say about it. You go to the earthly example of Jesus and the Word of God and the Holy Spirit to see. Like one of the things that we covered week before last in, uh, in discipleship class in Isaiah 53 when it talks about all the things that, that Jesus did for us and and. And this, the wounds that he took and, and what iniquities mean and what diseases mean. and See, modern day religion has taken all of that and say, well, it's just an emotional healing. It's just a, it's just a mental healing. And, and, and have so watered down all of those scriptures that they, they, don't, they say that it doesn't mean physical healing. And yet those words, if you go into the original language, and it's a fascinating study, you see absolutely unequivocally that it's talking exactly, exactly, exactly about healing for the physical body. Healing for the physical body. But notice now he's saying, don't let anyone cheat you with a wrong interpretation of what these things mean. So we've got all these new birth realities inside of us, and, and discipleship is about those inward realities becoming an outward expression of life, something that you actually experience, enjoy, and express to the glory of our Father. But yet, so many of God's people are being cheated out of those expressions, cheated out of those experiences, cheated out of enjoying what belongs to them as a child of God, living and ruling and reigning in life through the one Christ Jesus because of the gift of righteousness and the abundance of grace. People are being cheated out of that because they've allowed religion and the philosophies of this world and the deceitful traditions and all these other things, the basic principles uh, of this world, to interpret what all that means to them and not he's, instead of according to Christ. You still with me? Verse 9, For in Him, in Christ, dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and you are complete in Him who is the head of all principality and power. You are complete in Him who is the head of all principality and power. 
Have you noticed a trend recently in, um, and I'm using this term loosely, I'm going to say it this way, uh, <laughs> music that's being played on Christian radio, because I don't, I don't think this, in other words, the lyrics line more up with being cheated out of the truth instead of what the truth really is, right? All these lyrics about how broken we are, about how lost we are, about how confounded we are, about how desperate we are, about how pitiful we are. My friend, the devil is behind every bit of that. The reality of it is you are complete. That's new birth reality. You're complete in him. How many of God's people see themselves as being complete in him? Now, in this particular passage, um, let me, can we do a little bit of study right quick, okay? When it says, in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Think about what he's saying right there. This, this is speaking of our master, our savior, our beautiful savior, Jesus. In him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Anything and everything that God the Father and God the Holy Spirit possesses can also be found in Jesus. But it's found in Him because, remember, He is the man, Christ Jesus. Right? So it dwells in Him. uh, All the fullness of the Godhead bodily dwells in, resides in Jesus. And then He goes on to say that we are complete in Him. And so the word fullness in verse 9 and the word complete in verse 10 share a common root and it literally means to be filled richly and abundantly. So Jesus is filled richly and abundantly with all the things that are in the Godhead, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit and the one who is filled richly and abundantly has filled you to the full. When it means complete, it means that He has filled you with everything that you will ever need to be filled with. Now, you know we're not going to go through a whole Wednesday night message anytime soon without mentioning Philemon 6. Philemon 6 instructs us to acknowledge every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. Acknowledge every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. Well, here we see that we have been filled richly and abundantly by the one who is filled with all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. It's a new birth reality. A new birth reality. Now, let's go back to expectation. We've got a lot of things on the table, and I appreciate you staying with me, and I appreciate you allowing me to repeat some of these things. Expectation places a demand on the new birth realities in your born-again spirit. We've asked a couple of questions. How many new birth realities has the average saved person acknowledged? What does the average person expect 
from their salvation experience. What are you expecting from your salvation experience? Now, amen, there's a good one, sister. Now, if you have been paying attention, you're going to notice that we've tweaked a little bit of this, okay? And I think the Holy Spirit's helped me here. I know He has, amen. Grace gives or provides based upon what is already done. Faith receives what grace has already given. Hope realizes what faith has already received. Now, if you've been taking notes, you know I just switched something up on you, okay? We've been saying it this way, hope expects what faith has already received. But that's actually a redundancy. To say hope expects is to say expect expects. Because hope is a confident expectation. So to say a confident expectation expects, I'm, I'm not trying to mince words here, but when we talk about what function hope accomplishes in our lives, hope based upon believing we've already received is what brings forward the realization. So let me say it. Just stay with me for a minute, okay? Love gives, faith receives, and hope realizes. Realize means to bring into concrete existence. Another definition for realize is to give actual form to. To give actual form to. Now, remember that love has made salvation available to all men. That's Titus 2.11. Are you still with me? I'm going to show you something here now, okay? Building on what we learned last week. Love has made salvation available to all men. Titus 2.11 says, For the grace that brings salvation has appeared to all men. The grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. If you've you've ever heard Brother Creflo Dollar teach on grace, you've probably heard him say, grace is not a curriculum, grace is a person. Grace is Jesus. So the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. In other words, the grace of God is not just for a select group, but the grace of God that has brought salvation has brought it for all men. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. In 2 Corinthians 5, we see where God was in Christ Jesus reconciling the world to Himself. So love has made salvation available to all men. But love can only go so far without faith. What do we mean by that? Well, it's one thing for love to make salvation available to all men, but people are not saved until they receive the gift by faith. God is love, 
grace is God, who is love, expressing himself. And the grace of God that brings salvation has brought it for every human being. But that doesn't mean every human being is saved because love can only go so far without faith. In other words, just because God has made salvation available to every human being, that doesn't mean every human being is saved. What's got to happen for a human being to be saved? They have to receive the gift that love has made available, and we receive it how? We receive that gift by faith. So love can only go so far without faith, and faith can only go so far without hope. I think it's, it's, it's pretty easy to follow. I hope you're following it. I think it's pretty easy to follow love making it available to everyone, but only those who receive by faith are actually saved. But faith gets salvation to your born-again spirit, right? In other words, when a man or a woman receives salvation, they they receive everything that salvation includes. When a man or woman receives salvation, do they only receive like a partial salvation? <laughs> the other, you know, it's like, Lord's like, well, you know, I mean, I, just, I don't know. I just, let's just give them part of it now and see. No. See, every, everything that salvation includes, everything that salvation in, involves is freely given to a, a, a man or a woman when they receive that by faith. They're receiving by faith what love has already given, what grace has already provided. So love gives it. Faith has to receive it. But now remember what we said last week. Faith's results are immediate, but not immediately visible. And that once faith receives the gift from what love has provided what grace has freely given, hope then kicks in, or as we said last week, takes the baton as the anchor leg and, and runs the race to manifestation till, till we actually have the concrete expression of these things in our, in our lives, in our existence. You still with me? All right, let me... Let me Put the brakes on right here because I want to make sure we have time for this, okay? Have you ever personally or maybe you were the giver of a gift or you're the receiver of a gift or you were there when somebody else was opening a gift and, and, and maybe um, it, it, it was kind of a, you know, a, a little larger size box and... Um, that you know, person opens up the box and and maybe there's like some packing peanuts and stuff, you know those things and and kind of like up on up on top towards the top of the packing peanuts, you know they they pull something off there and it's like, wow, man, this is nice, you know, thank you, right? And then there's that awkward moment to where you don't know if you should dig around in the box to see if there's anything else in there? 
Because if you dig around for something else and it's not, you might appear to be ungrateful, like thinking, well, you saw you got me, you know, some see if there's anything else in the box. But then if there is something else in the box, you don't want to, like, miss out. And so you're kind of waiting for that person to say, there's something else in there. Right? And so then you start digging around in the same box that you just pulled one gift out of, and you start looking amongst the wrapping, packing paper, and the peanuts for whatever else might be in the box. Okay? Now let's imagine for a moment that the person who gave you this gift, they shipped it to you from another state because we've, you know, we have family that lives in Wyoming and so sometimes we'll send them gifts and they'll send us gifts you know and so let's just say that the person who gave you the gift is not there with you and you and you unwrap it and you look in there and and you take something off the top of it and it's really nice maybe you look around for a minute it's like well okay you know this is a pretty cool gift and and um, then you know you send it out with the trash and a few days later they call and they go what do you think about the gift that I gave you? And it's like, well, you know, it's, yeah, it's, 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 it's pretty nice. And, and you can tell that they're talking about something that you didn't get. Except for you did get it. See, they're looking for you to acknowledge something that they gave you that was in the package you received that you didn't know anything about. You, you, didn't, you didn't realize that there was more to the gift than what you thought or than what you were expecting. Are you, are you following this now? See, we tend to think of salvation, you know, it's like, okay, we receive this gift of salvation and we, and we open up this gift and, you know, right there on top, right there on top is forgiveness of sins. It's like, man, look at this. Forgiveness of sins. Just what I've been looking for, man. I'm so thankful. Woo, my sins are forgiven. Look at this, Pam. I got forgiveness of sins right here in this box. You know, I'm so thankful. It's like, you know, then nobody's looking. You start looking around for the ticket to heaven. Surely somewhere in here that's got, I mean, I know they didn't leave that out. Is there a card? Maybe it's got the ticket to heaven in it, you know? Because that's kind of what, what does the average person expect? From their salvation experience, sins be forgiven and hopefully we'll get in, get out of jail free card or a ticket to heaven one or something. Without ever realizing in that one gift, one gift that says salvation, there are so many things in that package that that most people never look past whatever the first thing is they were expecting. They were expecting from their salvation to be forgiven for their sins because that's what the preacher said. And they're expecting to go to heaven one day when they die. But, you know, I don't want to die anytime soon. Find out if I got that one. But, I, you know, I'm hoping that I did. I'll try to stay saved. You know, I'm going to try to make it. So they don't even realize that. They don't even realize that the minute... In that box is not just a ticket to heaven. In that box is you're seated with them right now in heaven. Now, are you following all this? Because I'm, I'm, I'm trying to help you see. All right. So, it, it, it's okay. We're doing fine. Is Christy still back there? Is she, can you, Christy, can you put the picture of the truck up there for me, please? Bah, bah. Amen. Stand with me tonight.
So the last year we were in cabinet business, the Lord was blessing us. I mean, my goodness, it's kind of like, it's kind of like when the ark was parked at that guy's house for a while and just, just, you know, I mean, we had a church in the business and that's where the church was. It was in the cabinet shop and man, the Lord started blessing us in that last 12 months that we were in business before I sold the business. We did 252 houses. If you do the math, that's like five a week. We were, I mean, we were, we were working, okay? And so, <clears throat> one of my suppliers, let's say Tuesday morning, phone rings. It's Steve from Ashland. And he says, hey, buddy, how you doing? I'm doing good. All right, man, I got a truck headed your way. It's going to be there Friday. All right, good. Um, what's on that truck? Well, I don't know what's on that truck, man. The whole truck's yours. I know that. Like a big truck? Oh, yeah, semi. Okay. Um, I'll fax you a bill of lading. Anybody ever heard of that? A bill of lading? So he sends me. This was back before email days, right? I guess, well, it was beginning of email days, but we still did the fax machine, right? Dial-up internet. So He faxes me the bill of lading. Well, I'm sitting there waiting for the fax to come through and page after page after page after page comes through. And all the supplies, all the different things, packages, stuff that, you know, we were ordered, jobs we had in queue. You know, if you're doing that many jobs, I mean, you've got to try to keep it all organized and so forth and so on, right? So the bill of lading tells me what is mine, that I have not yet taken physical possession of. On that list that I'm holding in my hands, it says bill of lading at the top, it tells me everything that's on that truck, that's mine, that's coming to me. So are you ready for this? It tells me what to expect on Friday. I don't have any of that stuff in my possession yet. But why is that bill of lading so important to me? It tells me what to expect on Friday so I'll know what jobs to plan, so I'll know what, what I need the guys to fabricate, um, what I need to, to install. In other words, because I know what to expect, I knew how to prepare because of the bill of lading. Now, that bill of lading, on rare, rare occasions, there would be one that was inaccurate because... What, what they would do is when they would load the truck, they would check off things that I had ordered, and if there was something that wasn't, you know, they were out of stock on or something like that, they, they wouldn't check it off. So when it would come to me, I would have it. I would know, okay, I'm getting this. Oh, that's, that's back ordered. I need to call and see when I'm going to get those because I need those to finish this job here and so forth and so on, right? So as they loaded the truck, they checked it off. So I knew what was on the truck. So I knew what to expect because I had in my hands what was on the truck that I knew what to expect. See, faith is the realization. It's, it's, the, it's, the, it's the confident um, uh, uh, persuasion it's the full persuasion the substance that word substance has a lot of different meanings but but what he's basically saying is that the faith is how we know 
It's what our expectations are based upon. I didn't just like, well, I'm expecting this on Friday because I need it. I needed it three Fridays ago, and I'm expecting it this Friday, you know, that solid surface countertop or whatever, you know. So I'm, I'm ex- no, no, see, that's just wishful thinking. If I've got a bill of lading, my expectation is based upon something that's already been done. It's already on a truck. So do you see, do you see how... My hope is based upon something. My expectation, it's, it's based upon something. Now, this is a bill of lading. And are you ready? We didn't load this truck. And we didn't pay for this truck. And if we had to put an order in for this truck, that's got all kinds of stuff on that truck we would have never asked to be loaded on there. Healings on that truck. Freedom is on that truck. Say, so, well, how, how do I get it? How do I get it in my warehouse? Expecting it based upon the bill of lading. A bill of lading is like a promise, right? Except for it's not just, look, man, I promise you we're going to get it to you next week. No, see, that's <laughs> been there, done that. Right? That's checks in the mail kind of promise, right? No, when, when, the, when the promise is a bill of lading... You can expect it. Well, Father, thank you. Thank you for all that you've done for us, all that you've given to us. Thank you, Father, that we're, we're beginning to understand that our, our expectation is not based upon something we would really like to see happen. Our expectation is based upon that which we believe from your word has already been done for us and belongs to us and is in us and our expectation is placing a demand upon it. It's placing a demand upon these inward realities to see them become outward expressions of our daily life. Lord, these are very, very important things and I thank you that you're helping us lay hold of them. You're helping us understand them. You're using different uh, angles, Lord, to help us see it more clearly each week that we uh, you know, make another run at these things, Lord, to, 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 to embrace and to secure and to be rooted and established and grounded. Father, I declare in Jesus' name that we will not be cheated out of a single New birth reality, Lord, as you said in your word, not a single word you've spoken concerning our lives, our families, our future, our family of faith, Lord, not a single word will fail to come to pass. Because, Father, we believe it, we acknowledge it, we believe it, we confess it. And we do so in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. Praise God. Thank you so much for being here. You have a great week. Look forward to seeing you on Sunday, if not before. Know that you're loved if nobody's told you that. And good things coming. Praise God.